Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Part three of the AFC West opponent preview is brought to you by our sponsors SeatGeek and MyBookie. Let SeatGeek take the confusion out of your ticket buying experience Instead of looking all over the web for on sites to find the best deal, let SeatGeek do the work for you. Their app scans the web for all the best deals to your favorite game, concert, or show and rates them on a scale from 0 to 10 to let you know you're getting the best bang for your buck. And they, they grade them with the colors. Green and makes great deals. Yellow dots, good deals. Red dots, not so good. Use promo code ACAA as an armchair All-American at checkout to receive $20 off your first purchase. So what are you waiting for? That's promo code ACAA for $20 off your first purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. We're also brought to you by MyBookie. Whether you like MLB, MMA, golf, or anything else, MyBookie is the place to bet. Their mobile site is easy to use and allows you to make bets from anywhere. No hassle, no waiting line, no need to get off the couch. And I know that's an appealing thing for a lot of us out there, including a uh, guy like myself. MyBookie wants you to have as much fun as possible this summer, and what's more fun than winning money while watching sports? Just visit MyBookie.ag today to get started, then try your luck at outsmarting the odds makers. But wait, if you deposit with promo code BEARS100, MyBookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus. That's promo code BEARS100. Betting 100, now you've got 150. At MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. My guest today for the part three of our AFC West preview, Travis Wakeman from fansided.com's Bolt Beat. And uh, Travis did confess to me that he is uh, just a beat writer for the Chargers. He's actually a Broncos fan. So back-to-back Broncos fan, but this one has been a beat writer for the Chargers for the last four years. So we might have, we might not have what we've had with previous guests with the we's and us's when we refer to our favorite teams uh, and whatnot. Travis is uh, uh, his allegiance, his heart lies elsewhere, but it's it's his job to follow the Chargers. So that's who we've got to help us with this uh, with this uh, Charger uh, preview and help us uh, what happened, help us figure out what happened with the Chargers uh, last year. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. It's the 2019 preview of the San Diego Chargers AFC West opponent preview number three. This offseason train keeps rolling right along as we edge ever so closely to and if to the uh, training to training camp the the you know the 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 regulars the preseason into the regular season I'm so excited I can barely talk uh, today what's going on everybody Larry D back part three of our AFC West preview this time chronicling the 2019 San Diego Chargers Travis uh, Travis Wakeman from fansided.com's bolt beat will be joining us here in just a few moments to uh to help us along with that uh preview and uh the Chargers were an interesting team last year they got off to a really slow start i think 0 3 0 4 something like that before they kind of slowly but surely chipped away uh at the uh at the rest of the league and and it's seemingly somehow caught up to the buzzsaw that was the kansas city chiefs and uh uh, you know, had a big win over the Chiefs at the end of the year on Thursday night football uh, on the road in Arrowhead uh, as well. And then uh, run, ran into another buzzsaw called the New England Patriots in Gillette Stadium in the divisional round. And uh, that's probably where I'll start my conversation with Travis is what the hell happened there? How did a team that had played so well and, and fought through, uh, you know, diversity uh, in one scenario or another and come away with every road victory fall and crash as hard as they did against the Patriots and many people thought that San Diego had the best chance of anyone in the AFC to dethrone them and for them to go out there and 
be and to make most of those people so so wrong in that performance to be laughed off the field essentially by the uh by the soon to be NFL champions the Super Bowl champs uh the Patriots in the way that they did it was 35 to 7 at halftime it's like the Chargers never got off the bus uh somehow how could a team that was a perfect 9 and 0 on the road including a victory in the wild card game the week before at Baltimore a team that had previously beaten the Chargers uh you know how did the, how did it all go so wrong and how did it go so wrong so quickly the way that it did i mean that game got out of hand in a hurry uh in, in Foxborough so Travis to help us uh you know color in the lines on that one to find out uh, how it went sideways what the Chargers have done in the off season and in the draft and what to look forward to uh in 2019 but uh before we get to that a uh, couple of news and notes the bears started minicamp uh this week and um it's uh it's our boys are ready to get after it guys let me just tell you this i was just looking on twitter and, and zach pearson uh who's a beat writer for the bears says uh matt Nagy talked about how his guys really wanted to get get the pads on and compete right now during a drill uh, during a drill Trubisky appeared to hit uh, Taylor Gabriel for a touchdown, but a ref ruled it incomplete. Both sides made their argument, and they were pretty animated about it and fired up. So, I mean, it's like if the guys care that much about what's going down in practice, if they're competing that hard before the pads come on, imagine what it's going to be like when it starts to matter, when it starts to count, and when it's time to really get after it. I mean, if they're passionate about they're, if they're that passionate about what they're doing right now, it, it it gets you really excited about what could happen, uh, you know, so close to the future when when things uh, really get uh, underway. So um, let's see, do we have anything else? Oh yeah, <laughs> HBO has finally made their decision or finally tricked the team into being their hard knock squad uh, for 2019. There were rumors circulating that it was going to be the Lions uh, last week, but apparently the official announcement has come out, and it will in fact be. The Oakland Raiders. So uh, John Gruden and company are, are inviting the HBO uh, a, a peek behind the curtain uh, that is the silver and black and, and, and finding out uh, how they're going to navigate their way through the preseason and, and into the regular season. Uh, what kind of uh, drama will the Raiders be able to provide uh, the NFL faithful that watches that show regardless of your fan allegiance? I, I don't miss an episode of Hard Knocks. It's it's way too interesting not to. Uh, hopefully the all or nothing show that Amazon does, which chronicles the team from the year before it'll this year it'll be the 2018, uh, Carolina Panthers. Uh, the only thing wrong with the all or nothing is that we all already know. We already know how the season turned out and we know that the, the Carolina Panthers started hot. They were six and two at one point and they finished the year. Either they finished the year seven and nine or eight and eight, one of the two. They went, they lost like six, seven. Yeah, they lost seven in a row. So they went uh, six and they went seven and nine, I believe, is what it was. That they lost, they went six and two. They lost seven in a row, only to win their meaningless week seventeen matchup over the Saints, uh, I believe, to finish uh, seven and nine. So it was a disastrous second half of the year for the Panthers and and Cam Newton with a shoulder injury. Should they sit him? Should they, you know, let him keep playing, try to protect him, uh, what have you? Uh, hopefully that will be – I mean, it's they're excellent shows. It's NFL films either way. And if anyone knows how to put a show on, uh, it's NFL films. They get the job done. So I'm, I'm eager to watch both. All or Nothing should be out sometime next month in July, usually before training camp starts. And then obviously Hard Knocks is basically through – uh, the preseason uh, and training camp the, and into the preseason uh, before the year uh, begins. So uh, looking forward to watching both of those shows. And um, Khalil Mack dodged the bullet for someone who doesn't like being uh, in the spotlight uh, very much. He doesn't have to have a bunch of uh, HBO cameras uh, following him around, uh, which he most likely would have been if he was still a member uh, of the Oakland Raiders. And uh, let's see, let me scroll through. Do we have anything else? Nope, that's pretty much it. That's all I got. So uh, that'll be it for for uh, news and notes. Like I said, it's a it's a quiet time uh, of year, and um, you know maybe I'll come up with something to uh, to fill this in for the for the Chiefs episode, which will be in a few days. Uh, Greg Florkowski from Arrowhead Addict, also from FansSided.com, will be uh, joining me for that show. That one will drop on Friday. 
Uh, so be on the lookout uh, for that. Uh, Travis and I are going to go ahead and get to this conversation about the San Diego Chargers. So let's go ahead and step aside and welcome our new guest, Travis Wakeman from Fansided.com's Bolt Beat to preview the 2019 San Diego Chargers. Part number three of our AFC West preview takes us out west to Los Angeles, the the home again of the L.A. Chargers. They started off in L.A., moved to San Diego, and everyone forgets that they even started in L.A., but now they're back in Los Angeles uh, playing in the smallest stadium in the history of the National Football League. But they were a 12-4 and playoff team last year, and here to help us chronicle that team and what they have ahead in 2019 from uh, Fansided.com's Bolt Beat, we have Travis Wakeman here to help us out. Travis, how are we doing? Doing well. How are you? Very good. Very good. And, um, you know, I, I, I do uh, – I know you, you, you confessed to me earlier that um, you aren't, in fact, a Chargers fan. You are actually a Broncos fan, but Bolt Beat is you being a beat writer and covering the Chargers. How long have you been covering the team? Uh, since February of 2016. Okay. All right. So this would be what year four for you, covering yep, them. Going in. Yep. Okay. Going into year four. Yep. And uh, was it? Um, I, I I said earlier in my open that the Chargers started zero and three, zero and four, and made the playoffs last year. And then I pulled up the schedule to see that that was not the case. But I'm pretty sure it was the Chargers. Did they start? Was it 2017 that they started zero and three or zero and four and almost made the playoffs? Yes, 2017. They started one and four. They they got a win in week two. They blew out the Jaguars, but did lose three in a row after that. I see. Okay, but last year they started off one and two. Then they won six in a row, and they were pretty much keeping pace with the Chiefs in the AFC West uh, throughout the uh, remainder of the season, finishing with identical 12 and four records. It's just that the uh, the Chiefs were five and one in the division. The Chargers were four and two. So the Chiefs take the AFC West. Uh, last year so let's talk about this team uh, last year in, in 2018 like you said they started off one and two they rattle off those six victories they are they're they're running side by side with the juggernaut of the NFL that was the Kansas City Chiefs they have a perfect road record including a wild card victory over the Baltimore Ravens then they get to the divisional round they're headed to New England and Gillette Stadium to take on the Patriots and many people, experts, fans, amateurs, whatever you want to call them, many people thought that this was the best shot in most cases for the Patriots to be eliminated by this L.A. Charger team that had pretty much been hot all year and an undefeated road team on top of it. Then they run into Tom Brady and company and essentially never get off the bus. What happened in that game where the Chargers essentially didn't show up? It was 35-7 to at halftime. Yeah, I was one of those people that thought that it was the day that the Chargers or the Patriots dynasty was going to take a big hit. I thought that the, you know, like you said, undefeated road record, I thought that we were going to see the big upset on that day. But I think you have to start with just giving the Patriots a lot of credit sure. um, for being as good as they are. They've they've done what they've done for a reason. Um, they've had that extra week of preparation by getting that first week you know, that, that buy in the first week and, uh, given Bell Belichick, a lot of people ask, how did the Patriots hold the Rams to a field goal in a Super Bowl? But, you know, that's, that's why they, you know, Belichick's got two weeks to prepare for, for teams like that. And as good of an offensive guru as Sean McVay is, he got fairly exposed in that game. And, you know, I think the same thing happened to the Chargers on that day. They were able to mask weaknesses on both the offensive line and defensive line for much of the season and both side both those units took a big hit on that day um the, the Patriots only got two sacks in that game but you would have thought they had a lot more just by watching it I mean it seemed like Rivers was under pressure on just about every throw he attempted 51 passes in that game and only complete, completed 25 wow. and his accuracy is usually much better than that and, you know, trying to stop the run, uh, Sonny Michelle seemed like he had about 400 yards rushing in that game. 
that's just what it seemed like because there was a gaping hole nearly every time he got the ball. So they just took advantage of the two major weaknesses that the team had. Wow. I mean, it's, I mean, obviously you know, you have to give credit where credit is due. Belichick seems to be able to uh, figure out his opponents at just about every turn. And as far as the Super Bowl is concerned, I will go ahead and take credit for the bears because it was the bears that I think exposed the Rams on Sunday night football in that big, uh, matchup where they, you know, 15 to six and they, they ended up shutting the Rams down on that one. Um, but you're Correct, right. Yeah. I mean, Belichick just followed the blueprint and he did it even better than the bears did because the bears cut him down to six. Belichick held him to three and it took them practically yeah. the entire game to get those three points. So he just took the bears model and perfected it and it got him another ring, uh, that they just, uh, they just cracked the seal on those. Have you seen Super Bowl ring the Super Bowl rings lately are ridiculous. Just how I did see those. just <laughs> insane. I mean, I know they've got six rings and they gotta put six trophies on it or anything, but this this isn't a ring you can wear anywhere. I mean, they're so huge no. and gaudy. You can see these things from space. It's kinda ridiculous. Uh how big <laughs> these is. uh how about how big the rings have gotten uh in the last fifteen years uh, or so. But um you know, when we when I looked at the the highlights of that game, because I actually didn't get a chance to uh, watch it, thanks to the Bears' uh, tragic uh, ending, I was actually recording my my year in review episode that afternoon while that game was going on, and then I got a text from a buddy of mine as I was finishing up the episode. It's already thirty five to seven at halftime, and. You know, it wasn't so much that the Chargers lost the game. We Everybody knew that that was a possibility. I mean, it is the Patriots that we're talking about. But for them to be essentially never even have gotten off the bus, to be to be blasted the way that they did and, and exploited, uh, however it was that Belichick and company were doing, I think that was the most surprising aspect of that victory for the Patriots was making it look so easy like the Chargers weren't the team that they'd been all year long. Yeah, um, Final score was 41 to 28, so the Chargers did make the scoreboard look a little bit more respectable, but it was never that close. They got punched in the mouth from the opening kick and never knew what hit them. And they've had the entire offseason to, you know, go with that sour taste in their mouth. And that's something they can use as motivation. They'd missed the playoffs something like six years in a row. So getting that experience, as bad as it was, is something that can be turned into a positive. Oh, trust me, I, I know all about that. I I, I envision uh, in the future, like a year or so, a year plus from now, when the America's game for the 2019 Super Bowl champion comes out, it will start with the Bears missing that field goal against the Chargers, mm. and that's where the journey to winning the Super Bowl this year began, was where 2018 ended, that's where 2019 began, and so on. If it's the Chargers, I very much imagine that could be the case. Here they are. They got steamrolled on national TV, you know, embarrassed off the field. Never mind a 13-point deficit. It was a 28-point game at halftime, and the, the journey from to the world championship began from that point. I definitely can see the parallels between, you know, where the Bears would look at their tragic ending and how the, the Chargers would see theirs to, uh, to get to a higher heights in, in this upcoming season. Absolutely. So we, we go into the off season and it was a fairly inactive one uh, for the Chargers. And, and I was trying to see, you know, were there any major moves uh, that they made? I mean, they brought in Tyrod Taylor to be the backup quarterback. Uh, they re-signed a couple of their own guys in Brandon Meebane and Adrian Phillips. Uh, Thomas Davis was signed from the Carolina Panthers. That's probably more of a veteran leadership thing, a locker room guy uh, kind of thing. And then you also didn't lose much. Tyrell Williams defects to the to the Raiders. Darius Philon goes to the uh, Cardinals, and Jason Verrett uh, goes back to San Francisco. That was pretty much it. So it seemed like it was more of a, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of offseason because the Chargers didn't really make any moves that would impact the roster in a big way. No, not at all. When that, uh, you know, the free agents, free agency frenzy starts, you know, everybody's sitting around wanting to know who their team's going to sign and there seemed to be a lot of angst that the Chargers weren't making any major moves, but that's because it's a team that knows that it's close. Um, they know that the window is wide open, and they believe in what they have in place. You know, they I guess Thomas Davis would be the big move they made. Mm -hmm. um, but like you like you touched on, that's a veteran leadership thing. They've got a great group, great uh, group of young linebackers. You know, four or five guys that 
can step up and make some plays, but they need that veteran leadership to, you know, learn some guidance from. And that's the whole reason they brought Davis in. He's played in Super Bowls. He's played in Pro Bowls. He's played next to Luke Keekley. So there's nothing wrong with that move. Um, as far as the, the guys that they lost, I think most of those were expected. Sure. Tyrell Williams right now I see is the toughest to replace just because there isn't a, a solid number three wide receiver on the roster. I mean, Travis Benjamin is there, but he's really, in my opinion, he's really a one-trick pony. He can He's a heck of a deep threat, but he's not much else. So I'm looking for another young guy to step up and maybe win the number three receiver job during camp this year. But aside from that, yeah, they, they, they're a team that knows they've got a solid group of guys. And, you know, if you were to predict the 53-man roster right now, you could probably get 50 of them right off the bat. <laughs> there aren't a lot of secrets with this team. Uh, there right, aren't when, any question marks. Yeah, I was looking at uh, – I go to sporttrack.com a lot. It's a wonderful website if you're looking for any kind of uh, – inside information on like contracts and things like that and the one thing i noticed when i was looking at the chargers is that um you know philip rivers is signed through next year but the core of the team like the the top players you have on the squad are signed through at least 2021 so this is probably going to be the tail of the tape for the chargers in the offseason for the next couple of years since basically the guys that are going to get them where they want to go are in with the team for at least the next three seasons yeah, they've got a big decision to make with Melvin Gordon. They're they're supposedly working on an extension with him right now, and the hope is that that will get done. But aside from that, yeah, they've they've got a solid group of guys in place, and you know, like I say, they know that window is open. Yeah, and it's uh, it, it's it's the AFC, so it's it's a tough hill to climb simply because Brady and the the Patriots exist uh, right now, and I was. I really was so hoping that San Diego, excuse me, L.A., the Chargers, I'm sure that happens a lot, um, the Chargers, yeah, that the Chargers were going to be that team uh, that would take the Patriots down and uh, absolve us of uh, another Patriot Super Bowl or Patriot victory, God forbid, which is what ended up happening uh, because the the Chiefs uh, forgot to play defense in the AFC Championship game. Um, But, you know, it didn't happen. Uh, unfortunately, but it's like if anybody could do it, I, I believe the Chargers are probably one of the best teams suited for it. If the Chiefs bring to the table the defense that they had a year ago, the Chargers are much better on defense last year than the Chiefs were. And I agree. I think if anybody's going to knock off the Patriots, those are the top two contenders to do it. So it's going to be a battle between those two teams, I believe. And I think getting that home field advantage, which they missed out on last year, Mm-hmm. mainly due to a terrible home loss to the Broncos. Yeah. yeah. I think that was the difference between them going out early as they did and making it further. Yeah, talk about another parallel that they had with the with the Bears. There were a couple of really close losses in the four that you had uh, last year. The the one with, uh, with the Broncos being one that kind of stuck out. I think there was um, – one earlier uh, well actually it wasn't a close loss but losing to the uh ravens later in the year that also hurt yeah, uh as well um but it was it's it always seems like there's that one thing if you just won that one game how different the season would have turned out like if the bears beat the dolphins in overtime uh we we missed a field goal in overtime the dolphins come back and and they win it and that if we win that game then we're 13 and 3 we have the bye week. The Rams don't. Who knows what happens from there kind of thing. Same thing with the with the Chargers. Instead of having to go on the road and play the, the Ravens, they get a week of rest. They're hosting uh, a playoff game and then probably don't have to deal and actually probably hosting Brady and the Patriots in the uh, AFC Championship game if they won their divisional round game. Yeah, and uh, there was a lot of fans who actually preferred to go on the road because of the Chargers, if there's one team in the NFL that doesn't have a very good home field advantage, it would be the Chargers. You watch the watch the games in those soccer state in that soccer stadium, and it seems like half the crowd's dressed in the opposing team's colors. Sure. So there weren't too many people afraid to go to New England, especially because they were nine and zero on the road at that point. But you know, it it may have been a different story if it was in L.A. Yeah, is that. Uh... Do you think that the Chargers are going to struggle when they start sharing the stadium with the Rams next year as far as having their own fan base 
uh, in the building, or, or will they? Will they? Since they're finally home now, instead of renting the soccer stadium that they are uh, at the moment, do you think that will change for them? I think it's all based on how successful you can be. I don't know how many articles we've written about, you know, with a title something along the lines of the battle for LA between the Chargers and the Rams, and there was talk of you know which team is going to find success first, and of course we've got the Rams who made it to the Super Bowl last year, but. There's a lot to do in L.A., and there's a lot of other sports teams. You've got LeBron there with the Lakers. You've got the Dodgers, who seem to always be contending. You've even got college football with USC that might be more popular than the Chargers. So I think if they stay successful, then then they won't struggle there. But if they start to plummet anytime soon, then people will quickly stop, stop caring. Yeah, I think that um, well, the, we have the added benefit of the Rams being as good uh, as they are, but I think that you know it, it definitely was more of a homecoming for the Rams. Uh, like I said right at the top, that a lot of people don't realize that the Chargers actually started in Los Angeles. They they pretty much think that San Diego has been their one and one and only home. And 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 if we're being honest, that is home for the Chargers. They spent like all but like three years of their entire existence in San Diego. So it really isn't much of a homecoming like it was for the Rams. They, you know, they started in Los Angeles, actually they started in Cleveland, but the, <laughs> they made their name in Los Angeles. Then they went to St. Louis, then they come back. So there are people that were still alive the last time that the Rams played uh, called Los Angeles home. So it really was more of a homecoming for them than it was for the chargers for the chargers. It was a relocation, not so much a homecoming. And, you know, I think there was plenty of people out in that area that, wanted the Rams back and I saw plenty of people saying that they did not want the Chargers so you know Spanos knew that but he was determined to get into that market and and you know he made it happen but just to see how many fans in that San Diego area that you know quit following the team altogether quit following the league altogether it's, Mm -hmm. it's just been very sad to see yeah, yeah, and and a and a big uh, NFL market kind of goes by the wayside now that because uh, a lot of fans just out of bitterness probably didn't follow the team from San Diego to Los Angeles or keep their allegiances. That that was evident even in our articles. I mean, you know the the leadership that we had prior to that move was great, and boy did it take a dip afterwards. And you know I can certainly understand why. Sure. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's it's quite a gut punch if your if your team leaves their home, especially under the circumstance where it was so so public and such an ugly battle, you know, keeping the San Diego uh, Chargers in San Diego, and it was like they were fighting a losing battle uh, all along, and then a decision was finally made: the Chargers are leaving, and that's it. And then people either pick new teams or stop caring about football altogether, like you said. Yeah, and that was the unfortunate choice that they were all left with. There still have been plenty of them that do still, you know, root for the team and follow the team, but you know, it's not the same, right? I, you know, I, I guess I, I always just thought, you know, it's still the same state, and that was the argument I would make with with people I talked to. You know, it's not like they moved across the country, but the difference between Los Angeles and San Diego is apparently day and night. Yeah, yeah, that's what I hear. Actually, <laughs> I've never been to San Diego. I have been to Los Angeles, not for many, many years, but I. I do hear that the difference between the two cities, the two communities, is uh, night and day. So I can uh, kind of understand what they're talking about there. Yeah. So, real quick, uh, the draft uh, this year, the the, the Chargers' twenty eighth pick overall uh, in the first round. Uh, it looks like just the the draft in general was heavy on defense. Jerry Tillery, your first round pick out of Notre Dame, a defensive tackle. Nasir Adderley, the safety out of Delaware. Uh, Trey Pipkins. An offensive tackle from Sioux Falls. I know that's in South Dakota, but I've never heard of Sioux Falls uh, before. Yeah. Another uh, linebacker out of Notre Dame, Drew Tranquil in the fourth round. Easton Stick, quarterback out of North Dakota State. Uh, that was the heir apparent to uh, Carson Wentz uh, that took over there. And can you tell me the six-round pick's last name? Emike? Egbule. Oh, so it is how it spelled. Okay, Egbule. E-G-B-U-L-E. Egbule, linebacker yeah. out of Houston, and then Cortez Broughton, uh, defense tackle Broughton, out of yeah. Broughton. There you go, so out of Cincinnati. So, tell me about Trey Pipkins from Sioux Falls. How does a guy from a school I've never heard of before get drafted in the third round? 
Well, partly because the draft wasn't very deep at that position. I think everybody sure. knew that the team would bring in another right tackle to compete with Sam Tevy because Sam Tevy, if, if people are going to pick on one player from last year, it would be Sam Tevy. He just looked absolutely terrible in that Patriots loss. And so you knew somebody would come in to compete with him, but I'm not as high on this pick as a lot of people seem to be. Um, I think you probably could have got him in the fifth round, maybe even later. So he definitely offers some upside, but I don't think you're going to see that come to fruition this season for sure. I mean, I could definitely be wrong on that, but I think they'll end up having to go with Tevy at least to begin with. So is he more of a high ceiling kind of pick? You know, a lot of those smaller schools generally are. Yes. And, you know, the the argument is that he didn't allow a sack in his college career, which is true. But, you know, you have to talk about the level of competition there, too. Um, you know, it's impressive to not allow a single sack. And that's what a lot of his uh, supporters point to. But, you know, you're, you're playing at Sioux Falls. So I don't know. You, you're definitely not going against any future professional defenders there, I don't think. Yeah, most likely. At least that's, not many. Uh, yeah. Do you know what division of football that is? It's it's Division Three, I believe. Division Three, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because um, we have a guy, a Division Two guy, a uh, tight end, Adam Shaheen, who was a second round pick for us, yeah. and uh, of course was labeled uh, a man amongst boys at Division Two. And then, of course, you get to the NFL, and he's a boy amongst the men, or at least he has been in his first. <laughs> I two, remember the hype around. Yeah, him. <laughs> the first two years, uh, he hasn't really shown much to support a second round uh, draft choice. So. Uh, uh, it's going to be an uphill climb for for Trey Pipkins to uh, justify his uh, draft stock. The other st- uh, pick that really stuck out to me was Easton Stick, and and not so much because of where he comes from or, or who he is or anything, but the position he plays, especially with all the talk going into the draft about the Chargers being one of the destinations possibly for Josh Rosen. Was that ever a serious thing? Were they ever really considering Bringing in Josh Rosen, I mean, Phillip Rivers still one of the best quarterbacks in the league, but he's he's getting up there in age, and Father Time always wins the race. I think they explored initial talks on that, but from what I remember hearing, the the uh, Cardinals, at least at that time, were were asking more than they were willing to give for him. They uh, didn't value him as high as apparently the Dolphins did. Um, but the, the the selection of Stick, um, I, I think, is is one that can certainly like like Pipkins. It could certainly pay off in the future. Um, he'll he'll sit behind Tyrod Taylor and definitely be able to gain some experience from from him. And you know, obviously Rivers is still there. And I, I don't see Rivers slowing down anytime soon, though. I think right. I think he's still got a good three to four years left in him. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's made more consecutive starts than any player in the league right now. He just does not miss a game. So. He's a, he's a future prospect, possibly, um, but I don't think he's going to be Carson Wentz. Sure, sure, but faith is that high that uh, that Rivers is going to be around and maintain his level of performance. That we didn't they didn't spend a higher draft choice or you know deeply explore the possibility of maybe bringing in uh, a Josh Rosen. Yeah, it wasn't. It, I, I think they engaged in initial talks just to just to explore the idea but no it didn't get serious right so was you talked a moment ago when when we were talking about free agency and tyro williams and he might be the toughest to replace uh in that third spot which would most likely be your like your slot receiver uh type uh, position they didn't draft any wide receivers did they bring any interesting prospects in on the undrafted free agency side um they no, they they don't. Ha- I don't think they've got an undrafted guy who's going to make the team this year. Honestly, wow. Uh, and and they've, they've been a, they've been a team that uh, is known for getting these undrafted guys and and getting at least one of them to make the roster. But I think they've just got a solid, you know, solid group of guys that it's just going to be tough. They're, they're a deep team. It's going to be tough for any of these you know undrafted or late round guys to crack this roster. As far as the number three wide receiver spot goes, they've got some possibilities there. And I think, you know, like you touched on, they would like to have a, a possession-type guy in the slot. You know, you've got uh, last year's sixth-round pick, Dylan Cantrell, is going to be a possibility there. And Artavis Scott, who was Mike Williams' teammate at Clemson, 
is a guy who I really like, and I, I'd like to see him step up and get a chance to to win that job too. So, looking ahead to uh, 2019, what are some of the storylines that we can look forward to? You know, either whether it be uh, position battles in in training camp or or just something to keep your eye on as we go through. Uh, the season itself. What are some of the things that you guys are are banging Ryan over there at uh, Bold Beat to look forward to 2019? I think the, uh, the the secondary and whether it can be as good as it looks on paper. The, the addition of the the second round pick this year, Adderley, is one that everybody is ranting and raving about. Um, he, he's got so much versatility that they can move him all over the place and be the true free safety that the team has lacked since Eric Weddle was around. Um, so if the secondary can be as good as it looks like it could be, then the defense is going to be extremely tough. I think the Chargers' success this year all comes down to the offensive line. They're de- they're essentially going with the same group they had last year, you know, unless Pipkins can crack the starting lineup. But if he can't, it'll be pretty much the same guys they had last year. One guy to look out for is Forrest Lamb. He is supposedly going to get every opportunity to earn a starting job this year. He's a guy that people were thrilled to be able to get in the 2017 draft and he's barely touched the field since. So I think if he can be as good as he looked like he could be at one point, then the offensive line could be better this year, but that that's going to determine how far the charges go this year. If the, if the offensive line can't be better than it was last year, they, they could end up looking at the same kind of result that they had. Well, I mean, I know that Forrest Lamp uh, tore an ACL uh, in 2017, which ruined, uh, a.k.a. Yes. torpedoed his uh, his rookie campaign. But what was it that kept him off the field last year? Did he get hurt again? No, he didn't get, he didn't get hurt again. He just – the only thing that coaches would really say is that he just wasn't ready. I mean, he was – he didn't even dress for all but, like, two games. Oh, wow. So they, they just didn't feel – and when when you look at the guys who did, you know, who did dress, it's just like, wow, how how bad can this guy be? <laughs> so you really started to question if he's just going to be a complete bust at that point. So hopefully he's ready to get on the field and give it a go this year. Yeah, because this is a second-round pick, right? He was a second-round pick? Yes. Okay. Yes, and, and a guy who some teams had a first-round grade on. Sure, sure. I remember that, that you know, seeing some – mock drafts he was a mid to late round first pick depending on who was actually doing the mock draft and where they saw the needs for a particular team it was not uncommon to see his name showing up uh in the first round and the chargers were thrilled to be able to get him in the second round yeah they thought they got the steal of the draft and and so did a lot of the fans and it certainly hasn't panned out that way right so um Anything else that we can look forward to in, in 2019, a, a storyline, something that we need to keep our eyes on? Whether or not Hunter Henry can get back. That's, ah. that's another huge key to the season. Having having him not on the field last year was a huge hindrance to the team. As much as everybody loves Antonio Gates and always will, he's just not going to be able to do the things he used to be able to do. and. He just wasn't what Hunter Henry could have been last year. So having him back this year is going to be able to expand that offense. He's a tight end that can threaten the defense, unlike pretty much every other tight end on the roster. So if he can get back to 100%, then you know it's going to be a very dangerous passing attack. How close did he come to playing in that uh, division round? Because there was some talk about him being activated. He's practicing with the team. Uh, and everything, did he come close at all, or was that all just hype to maybe make the opponent look at the right hand and didn't know what the left was doing? He actually did play in that game. He did? Okay. Um, he, he he only saw limited snaps, and I think the Chargers threw him in there more of a decoy than anything else just sure. to try to keep the Patriots on their toes, but he wasn't you know anywhere ready to be on the field, and at least not as a, you know offensive threat. Right, yeah. Again, I didn't get the chance to to watch that game, or at least by the time that I was able to watch it, it was already thirty five to seven. I mean, what was the point <laughs> that then? So yeah, yeah, and I didn't know it all. I, I noticed that. I remember that they were talking about him. I didn't hear whether or not he was activated, but he did in fact play in that game for a little bit. Yeah, it was the only game he played all year. And wow. Yeah, because he know, tore hopefully. his he tore his ACL what midway through twenty seventeen. 
he tore it in like the first couple days of OTAs last May. Oh, that's right. So. That's right. Yeah, he did it in OTAs. That's it. So he he was on that uh, that super advanced uh, uh, training schedule to get back. He was back in less than what eight months, maybe. Yeah, yeah. He really gave it a go, and they were even trying to get him on the field towards the end of the regular season. But right, you know. It's. I think we all saw what happened to Kevin Durant last night, so uh, <laughs> it's probably best they didn't. I. Uh, you know what? Just to, on a, on a tangent, real quick. Everyone's trying to give Toronto some shade for the way that they reacted to Durant going down. I mean, yeah. was it really so awful what they did? You know, they they cheered a guy that was playing for the other team, and they saw he wasn't coming back or anything. I. I you know, it's not. It's not ideal but really was it as awful as everyone is making it sound to be i think when i think the way it was portrayed on tv it kind of did look awful at first but you know after you sit back and you try to put yourself in that position i mean you're in you're in a closeout game and a chance to win your first ever nba championship You, you might not necessarily be cheering the fact that the man is hurt and you definitely don't know how severely he is hurt right you may just be cheering in the heat of the moment, you may just be cheering the fact that, hey, we've got a much better chance to win this now. Yeah, well, I mean, because they did make all of the all the hype in the world about the fact that he was playing last night yeah. and how that, how that increased their chances of making a series out of it with Durant back. And didn't he come out firing on all cylinders in the beginning of that game? Yeah. Yeah. He was so, the I mean, best player out there. Well, there you go. The so, and then he goes down and he can't play anymore. Like, hey, well, that's fantastic. Good for us. Mm-hmm. He's not coming back. Right. So. I understand where people are coming from, but at the same time, to make it sound like now Toronto is a fan base cesspool, I think is unfair. So, <laughs> oh, um, yeah, absolutely, unfair. yeah. So we look at the the schedule real quick before I let you go here, uh, Travis, and and um, you you've got some uh, interesting matchups. Looks like you have the uh, what do you have the AFC South this year? Yeah, yes. the AFC South, yes. and obviously the NFC North. That's why we're talking. Uh, you start uh, at home with the the Colts. That'll be a tough game. Uh, on the road to Detroit, home for the Texans. So you got two playoff games in uh, the first three matchups. Then you're at Miami, where you'll face the guy that you you might have almost traded for. Uh, in mm-hmm. if well, actually, in fact, if Rosen is starting at that point, right now it sounds like it's Ryan Fitzpatrick's job to lose. Right. Then you're on uh, your home for the Broncos. Then your first national TV game, Week Six at home for the Steelers, then back-to-back road games at Tennessee, then at Chicago week eight to take on the uh, Bears. When you look at those first uh, eight games, what, what do you think of the schedule? I think it's fairly tough. I mean, you've got the Colts, who are a trendy Super Bowl pick all of a sudden to start out with. Um, I think the next three games would all be winnable. Um, you know, the, you got the Broncos coming to Los Angeles and those Divisional game, you never really know what to expect in the AFC West. Right. Um, I didn't see the Bears being a contender last year. Maybe you did. No. That came out of completely nowhere for me. Um, But looking at them now, (laughs) I know we're just talking about the. I know we're just talking about the first half of this schedule, but I I think that you know, and it's a road game in Chicago with that 11 a.m. start time, which those West Coast teams don't really seem to care for. I, I think that's probably the most difficult game on the schedule for them. Right. And you know what? It's I, I was going to mention that you know you do have some daunting games in the first half of the year. Aside from the road game in Chicago, all of your tough games are at home, but we saw that the Chargers were a 500 team at home last year, so that's not necessarily a good thing that your tough games are, are at home this year. Right. And it all goes back to that not really having that home field advantage. I mean, because they were always a lot better when they played in San Diego. Right. They just haven't ever felt comfortable in Los Angeles. Yeah, it would appear so. Um, but to, to answer your question, uh, did I think the Bears were going to be contenders last year? Contenders that they were? No, absolutely not. I did not think that was possible. I, I thought that we would be much improved, especially on the offensive side, considering that we had – no offensive talent to surround our rookie quarterback with, and then we went out and basically bought ourselves an offense uh, in in free agency last year. And I thought that the Khalil Mack trade would 
would give us something very special on offense on defense while our offense worked to figure it out. I still thought eight and eight, maybe nine and seven. What I did not factor in and what I don't think anyone factored in was the effect that our head our new head coach would have on the team and how he would get them to play together and that culture that he seemed to bring uh, to Chicago with him that everybody bought in, everybody responded, and then one game, one win snowballed into another and another and another. And the next thing you know, we are serious contenders in the NFC North, walking away with the division. And, and uh, you know, if we make that field goal against Philadelphia, sky's the limit for what the Bears could have done uh, in the NFC playoffs uh, last year. So, I mean, this year it's every, every, the arrow's pointing up. Everyone's expecting the moon uh, from the Bears uh, this year, which is either going to pay off big or it's going to end up in a huge disappointment uh, for us uh, as, uh, as Bear fans. So, um, but looking at the second half of the schedule for you guys, uh, you got uh, some tough games ahead. You got uh, your home for the Packers at the Raiders on Thursday night football, so the quick turnaround there. And then home for the Chiefs on Monday night football. You finally get your bye week, week 12, a super late bye week. And then you finish at Denver, at Jacksonville, home for the Vikings on Sunday night, home for the Raiders, and then finish at Kansas City. Week 17, which if everything plays out the way they did last year, that might be the most important game on the schedule. Absolutely. I mean, they had lost nine games in a row to the Chiefs last year before they beat them on Thursday night football in Arrowhead. And I think that that win can carry over into this season. And, you know, the Chargers know that they can – I mean, that team, they they did that without Keenan Allen. They did that without Hunter Henry. Um, they, they, They were able to win that game without some of their key players. And they pulled it out in the you know, final, basically on the final play of the game. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the emotion that came from that win and it's, it's something that the team can really build on because the chiefs were just a major bump in the road for the chargers for many years. And, you know, the chiefs have arguably the best quarterback in the NFL right now. And so they're going to be there. They're going to be tough to beat. And you're right. That, that game in the end could be for all the marbles. Yeah, I mean, it could, uh, but basically what it ended up being last year was the winners got home field, the losers got to be a wild card team, you know, mm-hmm. a 12-4 and four road team in the wild card to maybe a 10-6 and six Raven team uh, last year. I still wish the NFL would fix that. I don't, really don't think that that's fair. Like winning the division, that should be an automatic bid in, but it shouldn't get you uh, a home playoff game. I don't, I don't believe, if you don't have the better record, you should go on the road. Yeah, I don't think there'd be too much argument to that. It's, it's something I've expected to see happen for many years, and for whatever reason, they still want to give more weight to the division winners. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I remember, what, 2010, the the Rams and the Seahawks played Week 17 for the right to be the first losing division champion in the history of divisional football. It, the, the loser was 7-9 and nine and made the playoffs and got to host a wild card game the following week is like that's and, and, and won that game. Yeah, they beat the the Saints. That that was the beast mode uh, game. But yep. the Saints, I believe, were like ten and six, eleven and five on a game that was three or four games or, or against the team that was three or four games worse than they were, and having to play in that crazy ass stadium ended up losing that uh, football game. So I guess you could you could argue either way on that one. It's like, well, look what it did for the Seahawks, who were seven and nine. They won a playoff game and. Blah, blah, blah. Right. And like, well, look what it did to the Saints. They should have been at home with their home field advantage and had to go on the road to this crazy place and so on and so forth. So you could argue on either side in, in that one particular game uh, for that uh, for that uh, little resolution that we'd like to see um, help right. out. So, you know, it's it, the Chargers are a very intriguing team uh, to me because they were – kind of overshadowed last year by the Chiefs and everything that Mahomes and, and the offense there in Kansas City was was doing. You also had Brady and Belichick doing their thing. So the, even though they were winning pretty much week in and week out, the Chargers were very much under under the radar. And even though those that were clo- following closely kind of knew that something could, potentially could happen with this team, no one was really paying attention to them. And then they get onto the national spotlight in that uh, playoff game against the the Patriots and basically did not live up to, to what we were expecting them to do uh, in that game. What are you expecting in general from this team in, in 2019? Can they pull it off and go farther or, or will they, uh, will they fall short in the end? 
uh, they definitely can pull it off and go farther. Um, I, like I said earlier, I think the offensive line is going to dictate whether or not they will. Um, I think those two teams that we've talked a lot about, the Chiefs and the Patriots, are going to be the teams that, if it's not the Chargers, it could be one of those. I know a lot of people want to talk about the Browns and even the Colts, but I, I think the Chargers are a lot better than both of those teams. And I really think that if they can find a way to get over the hump, just looking at the talent on the roster, I think the Chargers have the best roster in the AFC. It's just a matter of finding a way to win those tough games that they've just failed at so many times in the past. Yeah, now what uh, what is Anthony Lynn kind of bringing to the table there? I mean, obviously his his coaching career last year in 2017 got off to a rocky start with that one and four start, but they ended up winning what eight out of nine to close out the year to almost make the playoffs uh, in 2017, and then another rocky start at one and two. But let's be fair; those two losses were to the Chiefs and the Rams in the first three weeks of the season. Two teams that would have a lot to say about how the NFL turned out. Uh, last year before they went on a run and they beat the Chiefs on the road in Arrowhead uh, and, and, and everything like that. And, you know, what what has Anthony Lynn kind of brought to the table to be able to rally this team around the slow starts that they've had the last two years? Well, he just brings that, you know, winning kind of experience. He played for some very successful teams with the Broncos that, you know, ended up getting, getting to the Super Bowl and winning it. And, he he's a relatable coach. That's what all the players say. They, you know, before him they had Mike McCoy, and I don't think the players really related to him. And he just brings that relatable, experienced, and, and he knows what it takes to win. And he's really a, he's got a system that the team is just really buying into. The players are really buying into it, and he's he is exactly the coach that the team kind of coach the team needed. And I think a lot of people were surprised by the hire when they brought him in, but he is, he's paid off big time for them. And, you know, I think, I think he's got them going in the right direction and they've all, they're all buying into it. Well, I think that's, I think it's great. Um, I, anyone that can come in and unseat the Patriots is, would be a favorite team (laughs) uh, of (laughs) mine. Like I'm, I'm like, uh, you know, beating a dead horse here on, on my show. Anytime that I talk to, you know, the last several years, especially, they've made three Super Bowls in a row. Anytime I'm talking yeah. to, an, to an AFC team, please, for the love of God, put it together and beat New England so we can stop watching the, the Patriots and this win or lose. I don't care. I would rather that the Patriots not make it at all rather than watch them lose in the Super Bowl. I'd like to see the AFC represented by someone else. And, uh, you know, like when we, we talked a, b- a little earlier uh, in the show about how the core of this Charger team is signed through 2021. Uh, regardless of what happens with Rivers and um, Melvin Gordon and, and their fate uh, in the future, they've pretty much got it together that this roster that you're such that you have such high regard for is going to be together for a while. So the Chargers might have something to say about what's going on in the AFC for years to come. Yeah, and I think that's the expectation at this point. And he talked about you know Bears fans, you know being ex- being ready for the moon. And, and and the same thing is true with these Chargers. I mean, it's a lot of people think it's it's this is going to be the year, or or they're extremely close to having it be the year. And I don't think fans are really going to settle for anything less than that right now. They they think this is the team, and on paper, it certainly looks like it could be. Yeah, well, fingers crossed that it would. I mean, the the one thing I love so much about the NFC is that there's basically a new champion every year so every year is a new opportunity for a team to step up in the AFC it's can someone beat the Patriots and it's kind of a boring thing the way it eventually always kind of plays out uh, in the end so any shake up in the AFC even if God forbid it is the Browns would be a welcome one for this guy uh, you know as far as I'm concerned any time that it won't be the Patriots you know what I would like to see them not make the AFC championship game that would be nice yeah as well I was hoping the Patriots would alle- or excuse me the Chargers would alleviate us of that in the you know yeah. another AFC championship game with the Patriots they've played in like eight in a row it's getting ridiculous over there they need to figure it out on the AFC side and, and clear up some room even if if your Broncos can be the team and come from out of nowhere and do that with Vic Fangio and his defense and and, and whatnot uh, that would be nice as well uh, yeah it, you know like you say I, I don't think 
anybody outside of that New England area would would be opposed to seeing the Patriots go down as early as possible. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or regardless the, of who does it. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're absolutely right. So, oh, God, a guy can pray, can he? So, uh, <laughs> but uh, Travis, I appreciate you taking out the time, man, to help us uh, talk about these uh, this intriguing Chargers team, and I look forward to seeing what they're uh, going to be able to to pull off uh, this season. So, we got you guys week number eight. So I hope to have you back on uh, to preview the game week eight to see where we're at uh, at that point in the year and uh, just what these teams uh, might have to do to beat one another that that game. Sure, I'd love to do that. All right, Travis Wakeman from Bolts Beat uh, for Fansided.com. Travis, you write for a few other sites. Where else can we see your work? Uh, Broncos Wire, which is a site owned by USA Today. I do some do some writing for the Broncos over there. Sure. So you can check that out as well. Anywhere else? That's it right now. All right. Okay. So and where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, just my name, Travis Wakeman, the number 10. Travis Wakeman, 10, on Twitter uh, to follow him and uh, his writings for the Broncos Wire and for Bolts Beat for the Chargers. Travis, thanks so much for uh, for coming on, man. We'll talk to you again real soon. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Remember, guys, promo code ACAA for $20 off your first ticket purchase at SeatGeek and promo code BEARS100 for a 50% deposit bonus on your uh, on your first deposit at MyBookie. So I uh, want to thank to our sponsors. I want to thank Travis Wakeman for coming on to the show and, and being a real trooper, man, uh, about, uh, you know, he is a beat writer for the Chargers, but unlike the other guests that we've had thus far, He's just a beat writer for the Chargers. He's not necessarily a Chargers fan. So it was, uh, as you uh, as you can see, maybe not as animated uh, a, 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 an interviewer because he's not as passionate about the Chargers as he is about his native Broncos. He lives in Colorado. So, uh, but nonetheless, he definitely knew what we needed to, you know, definitely able to answer all of our questions, help us find out what we needed to know uh, about the Chargers. And, uh didn't take away from the fact that the Chargers are definitely one of the more intriguing teams in the AFC. And like I mentioned to, to Travis, when I was looking up to see how the team's contracts are all structured, the, 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 the bulk of this football team, the core of this team, is going to be together until 2021 at least. So it uh, could be something that the Chargers have uh, a lot to say about the fate of the AFC uh, for years to come. So, uh uh, we'll be interested to see how they uh, turn out and very interested to see where the Chargers are at when they come to Soldier Field week number eight uh, to take on our beloved Chicago Bears and, and see if that uh, that noon kickoff start, which would be 10 a.m. Uh, West Coast time, how that might affect the Chargers and uh, who are usually playing uh, games that start at 1 p.m. West Coast, 3 p.m. Uh, here in the Midwest. So maybe that'll be something uh, to our advantage and, and maybe mother nature could drum up uh, some kind of rainstorm or or some bitterly cold october weekend day or something like that to to throw off those southern california boys so uh, maybe that could be something that she could help us out with we'll, we'll we'll see you know we usually don't ask mother nature for such things but if she could if she could do something like that then you know i wouldn't be ha- unhappy about that so up next, uh, part four of the AFC West preview. We will conclude our preview of the AFC West with the best that the AFC West had to offer last year in the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Greg Florkowski of the Arrowhead Addict, also from fansaded.com, will be joining us uh, to talk about the, the Chiefs. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that AFC championship game and how that last drive in overtime must have felt to watch the defense seemingly powerless against Brady and the offense as they just marched down the field uh, and put that touchdown in the end zone to, to put an end to that magical season that the Chiefs had, um, you know, with, with the way that uh, Mahomes played his first year 
uh, as the starter and, and how magical they were on offense, just racking up the points. We'll talk about that Monday night game uh, that they were on the winning side of against the uh, – the, no, they lost to the Rams, didn't they? Yeah, 54-51, to 51, they lost that game. They were on the losing side of that game. But it's 51 points and you lose. That's That's got to suck, man. But, uh, you know, we'll talk about that game and, and everything that was the MVP season uh, for Mahomes and, and what moves did the Chiefs make during the offseason and in the draft to prepare themselves for 2019 uh, to try to uh, get themselves back to where they were and then finish the mission and get themselves to, to South Beach, to Miami, for the Super Bowl uh Super Bowl 54 so um we'll have um Greg on the show to uh to to talk to us uh about that and then uh from there we move on to the NFC East we start with the Giants then we'll have the uh the Redskins then the Eagles then the Cowboys to finish things off before we move on to the NFC North with the uh the Packers the Lions the Vikings and our beloved Chicago Bears to wrap up uh this journey so we are Five episodes into the 14 opponent preview episodes that we have. And here we are. It's practically mid-June already. It's the 12th when most of you will be listening to this, June 12th. So almost midway point uh, of the month when uh, Greg Florkowski and the Chiefs episode drops on Friday. It will be the, the, the middle uh, of June. And uh, we'll finish off the month with the, the, uh, the, with the NFC East. That'll be the second half of june and then the first half of uh july will be the nfc north the bears the packers the lions and the uh vikings so if you guys have any questions maybe we can do a quick mailbag something like that uh for our news and notes uh as we go through uh feel free to send those to me at btu underscore larry on twitter or send them to the facebook page just search bears talk underground uh join the group uh join the discussion and, um, you know, give me your thoughts on the uniform for the 1936 throwback. I had deep feelings about the, the socks pretty much just killed the whole thing for me because you can't stop looking at the socks. Somebody, I, uh, somebody put a picture of the, <laughs> from the, the witch from the Wizard of Oz that had the house fall on her. Those are what the socks reminded him of. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, so, yeah, you know, was it that bad for you? Uh, I think that uh, maybe if we didn't go with our with our modern socks look, like we'll stick with the navy blue socks with the orange stripes, but only have there be like three stripes as opposed to 30 as it rolls down uh, the entire leg there. So maybe that could be something that we would do instead of the hideousness that was those pippy long stock stockings that the Bears are going to be wearing against the Vikings and the uh, Cowboys uh, this year. So anyway... We'll be back on Friday with the Kansas City Chiefs to wrap up the AFC West. So until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been Bears Talk Underground. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery.